Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. So maybe my first question to you is, would you want to be a chief nursing officer? Oh, tough question. Well, I didn't apply, if that means anything to you. (laughs) Did you apply, Amy? (laughs) uh, Hells to the no. No, I I actually, I I didn't apply. And um, this episode will be an interesting one because, so I guess like, the first thing we have to talk about is that we have a chief nursing executive officer for Ontario, as well as a chief nursing executive officer for Canada. Yeah, it's interesting because I know that for the Chief Nursing Officer Canada, it was a position that they actually got rid of about 10 years ago, and now they've just reinstated uh, for the first time in a while. And we kind of talked about the difference in how we found out about the national position versus the provincial position, because there seems to be a varying degree of coverage as to when one person was announced versus the other person. The other thing is, Maybe we should even talk about what a chief nursing officer is supposed to do, because I don't think people know. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I I didn't know really what they did. Like, I remember, you know, at the very beginning of the pandemic, we're just like, oh, why do these roles not exist anymore? Maybe this is something that we need to help support nurses, you know, across all of Canada, across Ontario. And I know that there are chief, chief nursing officer positions in other countries as well. So it's not it's not something that's unique to Canada. But I didn't know what it was either. So maybe we could first start off by saying, like, what is a chief nursing executive officer? Yeah, so a chief nursing officer is supposed to be the top um, nursing position in the country or in the province. And what they're supposed to do is actually focus on nursing leadership and organizational administration. So typically, it involves um, setting standards, establishing processes and protocols, having a seat at the table, really to give input from a nursing perspective, which is something that's been lacking for a long time. And you and you and I at the beginning of the pandemic, we wrote an article about how we really need nurses to have a seat at the table and not just to have a seat, but for our opinions to be heard and to be valued and to be respected. So I think the term is kind of like, you know, top nurse for wherever wherever you are. So whether it's a hospital, whether it's an organization, whether it's at the government level, it's just supposed to be someone who really has a lot of input and knowledge and expertise and can kind of move the needle on a lot of different issues. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the main role of what Asino should be doing is like they're supposed to be providing that voice and that overview of, you know, being in touch with nurses, like meeting nurses where they're at and then representing it us at like a national um, provincial level so I mean I think the the whole role of the CNO is to be the voice of the nurses voice of the people type of role and I'm, I'm assuming that they probably have other duties like finances um, implementing or learning about different treatment plans and different um, treatments uh, in relation to politics and policy community-based health care public health probably even looking at how we or- onboard so recruiting retaining and keeping nurses at the bedside or in various different types of roles because that's another huge aspect a huge problem that we're seeing right I think it's not unique again to Canada we're seeing this all over where nurses are fed up and they're just like yeah we don't want to be here <laughs> we don't want to work at the bedside we don't want to be in these roles because no we don't feel so we don't feel respected we don't feel heard and then when you have all of that it's that perfect storm for people to be like this role doesn't support me why should I stay here so I mean it seems like it's a very specialized career area I'm I'm thinking that I don't know why but maybe I'm wrong you guys fact check me out there I thought that the provincial one so at the Ontario level it was a job that you applied to but at the federal level so the national level it was an appointed position is that correct well I'm looking at the bio of the chief nursing officer Canada and I don't see anything about appointing but it doesn't mean that they weren't appointed I don't know it says that she was selected as a successful applicant. So what they were looking for is someone that has um, knowledge in all different sectors. So, you know, uh, acute care, long-term care, practice, education, research, like it's it's going to be a difficult role to fill. And I hope that we will be able to make some change because it's so badly needed. Like at this point, I feel like there's nowhere to go but up. And that's what I'm really hoping for is that we just have more visibility and that people take nursing as a profession seriously because we have so much to offer and I just think that we've been so overlooked and disrespected for so long it's about time that people see us for the profession that we are Um, so I see this role as really advocacy as well on a national level just advocating for what nurses need in order to turn a new chapter in this profession here when I think about this and I think about us advocating for this role and other folks that advocating for this role because they weren't existing. It'd be interesting to know what exactly the work would look like. And I, I'm going to ask you, Sarah, and then you could bounce the question back to me. If you were the C- CNO, let's say federally or, or provincially, you could pick whatever one you want. What would be your first task? What do you think is the most important thing both CNOs should be looking towards at this point in time? I think first and foremost, we'll be actually listening to what nurses have to say because nurses have been talking until they're blue in the face and they feel like no one's listening. So they really need to talk to nurses at the front line, talk to nurses at all levels of nursing, figure out what they think the issues are before you jump in and start making all these changes to what you think the issues are. So I think first and foremost, listen more than speak, really understand where nurses are at and what they want to see changed. And I mean, you and I have talked a lot about what we think should be changed. Um, Bill 124, having a retention program, having paid sick days, better working conditions, better supports for when you experience violence on the job, better ways for internationally 
educated nurses to get into the system. Like there are so many different things we could do. But I think first and foremost is just really giving those nurses a chance to speak and be heard for once. Yeah, no, I I completely echo what you were saying, because that was the first thing I was going to say. I was like, you know, if, you know, day one for me of the job would be really going out and getting to know what the problem is. Like, I obviously we know overarchingly what the problem is in terms of retention, retaining nurses. But I think that it would be hugely critical if I was in this role or if you were in this role to actually go and talk to nurses. Like, it's kind of like your major focus group. Just sit down and say, what is the pulse here? What is the morale like? What are the quick wins? What are some things that we could do right off the hop that we could make some changes in relation to? What are some of the things that nurses need right now, boots on the ground? How can I best support you? What do you want to hear me fight for, champion? Those types of things, right? And I mean, I really hope that that happens. Like, I, I mean, I think that both roles are relatively new. I think that the federal role was just announced like two weeks ago. The provincial role was announced maybe maybe four to six weeks ago. But again, like I really haven't heard much since then. And it's kind of like we need to get moving. You guys need to start like talking to nurses. Right. And just like the public didn't know until recently what nurses did, I think it's really important for this role to let people know what does a chief nursing officer do, because this is something that not everybody knows. Even I had to look this up. Like, what does a chief nursing officer do? And in Canada, at least, the first chief nursing officer was appointed in 1968. And then, like I said, it was eliminated back in 2012 when, and I'm quoting this, at a time when the government was realigning resources across priorities. However, in the current environment, the chief nursing officer is viewed as an important role and has been resourced accordingly. And this assignment that they've just appointed um, this person to is for a period of two years with the possibility of extension. So I really hope that this isn't going to end in two years time and we go back to where we started. I really hope this is something that can be long term, even if it's not the same person, just at least having that presence, I think is really important. Oh, absolutely. Like This is where people should be putting their money. Like I don't know why those roles were eliminated to begin with. It doesn't make much sense to me. It shouldn't be like, oh, you know, from a fiscal standpoint, and now that nurses are drowning, we need to have this person. It should have been, this person should have been there the entire time to continue to help advocate and support nurses in the way that we need to be advocated and supported for. And I'm kind of okay with the two-year appointment. I think that, you know, as the climate changes, as as new leadership kind of continues to come up through the ranks, we should see change. Like I'm not of the old school mind where someone should be holding a role for 25 plus years just because like, I think getting fresh eyes in fresh blood, young blood or whatever you guys want to call it. I think those, I think it's important. It just brings a different perspective. It brings a different flavor to what is happening. And I like, I mean, I feel for those organizations who have someone who's been in power for 25 plus years, because you actually start to see that no real change has occurred. And I think that's what nurses are really afraid of now, right? Nurses are afraid, okay, you know, are we picking more of the same? Are we seeing more of the same? Or will these two new appointments, um, will we actually start to see some meaningful change? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we will see change. But I know a lot of my colleagues were like, okay, so they picked a middle-aged white woman. Thankfully, they picked another, a racialized woman for the provincial role. But 
there are lots of concerns that they're just like, will we see the change that we seek? Because I I do believe that it's really going to be the younger nurses that are really going to start to shake things up. And, And I'm not knocking older nurses at all, but there is unfortunately a culture of silence, a culture of white supremacy in nursing, a culture of keeping the status and maintaining the status quo. Look how many times, Sarah, We've had nurses, even within our own careers, say to us, and I think everyone can repeat this line before I even say it, it doesn't matter, nothing will change. I think if you say that over and over and over to yourself, you're going to start to believe it. And that was something we were told right off the hop. I remember in nursing school, like people saying, well, nothing's going to change. And that's something that can kind of haunt you and stay with you for a long period of time. And that's what we're seeing, right? People feeling and that same really stagnant idea that things won't change. But I really feel, I really feel that, you know, the nurses that are coming are really going to shake things up. I really hope that they do because we can't tweet our way or, you know, write our, write letters away to make meaningful change. It's not going to work anymore. Right. And I'm not saying that we're spring chickens. Okay. We're, we're, I would say (laughs) we're mid-career nurses. We're straddling both. Okay. We're not, we're not late career. We're not early career. We're just kind of in the middle. We're trying to make a difference and do what we can. And just going back to what you said, Amy, about feeling like you can't make a difference. How many times have you been on the unit where somebody's trying to make a change and then there's Debbie Downer that comes in and says, oh, we tried that before. It didn't work. Don't even bother. Like, you kind of talk yourselves out of doing something before giving it a real shot. And this is what I've seen over and over and over again in various different levels of nursing. And I think that as nurses, the culture is that we just still feel we, we feel so disempowered that we don't even know if it's worth the time or effort. And when we are given the chance, we don't fully grab it because of what our experiences have been. And that's a real shame. No, I agree with you. So we talked kind of about what we think um, the job should look like on day one. So let's talk about day two, not not theoretically, but what do you think advocacy should look like for the CNO role? I think it should be advocacy on all levels. So not just advocating within the healthcare sector or within nursing, but advocating at tables that involve physicians, that involve other sectors like long-term care. I think it's really important for this role to build a relationship with the media as well so that they know this is the person they can go to if they want to hear about, you know, what's happening on a governmental level because it's been always in the past that physicians get interviewed and nurses kind of just sit in the background. And I would think that this person should be very comfortable with the media, should be comfortable with social media too, just to target different groups of nurses and reach as many people as possible. So I think it's also important for this person to pave a new path. So what's happened in the past has happened. It's time to just think about where, where, you know, the low-hanging fruit, where the opportunities are to make some change. I know a lot of times when you start a new job, it's like, what can you do in the first 90 days? So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the first 90 days to see if there are any small changes or even any momentum that can start as a result of this new role. I will be counting down those 90 days because I really think advocacy is going to have to look radically different. It's going to, it can't be just, you know, we wrote our 
we wrote a letter to the PM or we wrote a letter to, um, you know, the minister of health or whatever, like it's got to look different. And I think this is what nurses are, are really, really waiting for. We're waiting for someone to, to really champion what, what we want to see. Like we're talking about organization too. Cause I think there have been some nursing rallies that have been held and but all of that was grassroots. Like, thank God for Nancy Halupa, Birgit Umugba, other nurses, myself, you included, that were out there really trying to like fuck shit up. <laughs> like I think <laughs> I think that like if 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 we weren't at that grassroots level to say, you know, we need to do this, I don't think we would have seen those things. Like I remember hearing that there was like an Ona rally. And then all of a sudden fizzled out, like nobody heard about it. Like all of us, like we're sitting there going like, did you hear about this rally? When, when did this rally happen? And then, you know, we saw a couple of pictures and we're like, okay, so like, how do you think, how can you create a, a rally where you don't inform properly or you don't organize properly the people that you want to be there? It doesn't even make any sense. And it's just like, like, I, I really hope that the CNO, CNOs, I should say, will have a really strong viewpoint on how they can actually collectively organize action. Because I think that is one of the biggest pieces that we've been missing for many, many years. It's just like, when it comes to, you know, pulling people together, there is a little bit of a unique style and way to do it. And I think there are there are experts out there that have organized many rallies before. And I think, you know, it's probably good to even tap into some of them. I've tapped into some of them in terms of some of the work that I've been trying to do. But I think it'll be hugely important that if we're going to rally for change, I think one, it should be a public show, right? We should be able to not just rally for change by, you know, tweeting or whatever the case may be. We need to show solidarity. We need to show that that power and force and sheer numbers because nurses are one of the largest public sector jobs. And I think it'll be very, very important for that communicate those communication pieces to go out to say you know what we're thinking of having a rally in blah 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 and this is how you can help show your support because not everybody is going to want to join but maybe there's different things that people do can do maybe someone could design a poster maybe someone could design do some fundraising to get you know like, like how nancy halupa did it in um, young dundas square but this is the kind of stuff that I'll be looking forward to seeing and hoping that we might see that there's going to be a huge organization, organizational pull to seeing that action coming to fruition. Because I think that that is something that nurses need to see. They need to see that something is happening. And I think that that'll be hugely, hugely important. And I think that will surprise people. Like if it's organized well, that nurses will one probably surprise themselves for being like, holy crap, look what we just did. And I think that we can surprise other people by showing that, you know, we don't just complain at the bedside. We don't just say, you know, how horrible it is on Twitter that we're coming to say, we're here to protect patients and families and we're going to do this together and we're going to show you how and why we should do this. So I think that'll be a huge, huge aspect of the work that the CNOs will need to actually do. Yeah. And I think it'll be really important at the national and provincial level that both chief nursing officers our, are saying the same message. They have the same goals in mind. They're going to work together, just kind of build off of each other's um, influence. And I think that this is the time to be innovative with their approaches. Like I think leveraging social media is going to be really um, important. I hope that they take advantage of that to target the nurses that they need to target, meaning the early and mid-career nurses. And 
I think that social media just has a way of spreading me- spreading messages like wildfire, like in a good way, um, if they if it's being used appropriately. And this is something that hasn't really been tapped into very well in the past. And I think people just think, oh, you know, Twitter, it's just for the, the anti-vax or the anti-maskers or whatever. But it's not. It's, it's a space for everybody. And people are there. You just need to start using it and getting more comfortable with it. And making yourself relevant to the people that are watching you. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think social media will be a huge component. <laughs> and, I, and I hope that, you know, maybe, they, maybe they'll have great people that will work with them and their team to help with that, those, that aspect. Because I think that, um, again, like you said, the um, early career, mid-career nurses will be kind of looking forward to seeing what that that might look like from that angle. Another question I kind of had about what we might see on day three, and of course, these are all hypotheticals, the pressure of the job. I think that with anything, so we've we seen it just recently in the most negative form possibly with uh, Christopher Freeland when she went out and she was just doing her thing. I think she had just finished a talk in Alberta and then was accosted and heckled, right? I think that one, that's violence, right? That is absolutely uncalled for, unnecessary. And that person, I, I think that person should be charged. But again, with a job like this and a role like this, it's not free from criticism. People will be criticizing and saying, you know, what is this? What are, what are these individuals doing? How are they achieving or accomplishing the goals that they've set out? Because like one, I don't know, maybe you know what the goals are. I don't know. I think I have some ideas of what I think some of the goals might be. I don't think this role will be free from scrutiny. I think it's going to be probably looked at right under the microscope very, very tightly. And I think that these individuals are going to have to have thick skin. Yeah, I think that's important too, because you're right. I didn't see anything really in black and white as to what the goals of this role will be, either one, the national or the um, provincial level. So I think it's going to be really important to build trust with the public to communicate what they're trying to do and actually follow through on it. And developing a thick skin, having appropriate supports, having maybe someone in PR to kind of help this person succeed, it's going to be really important because the last thing that you want is someone in this role who isn't set up for success. For success, And then it seems like nobody's really sure what this person does. Nobody wants to take over because of what happened. Like It's going to be really important to have that part go well too. And I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't think we have a playbook for this, but just setting setting them up for success is going to be important and don't let people do that like there's got to be someone that stands up for this chief nursing officer too it can't just be her like alone in the wind like standing up for herself every single time like there's got to be people in her circle that can help her with this too I mean like we've we've done this before but like I don't think we had all of these resources but it is something that unfortunately comes with the territory yeah, I was more thinking along the lines of like that, you know, she's I'm going to need to be able to back up whatever they're saying that they're bringing to the table, right? Because I think in, I can only speak specific to nursing, nurses talk. That's just, that's just the way things are. <laughs> nurses are a chatty bunch. We speak to each other. We have our own nursing language. And I think it'll be very important that whatever they say they're going to set out to do, that they back it up because nurses will talk and nurses, unfortunately, eat their young. And I think that this role might not have any exceptions to that as well, that there will be scrutiny and nurses will be like, you know, if you're not doing the job, they're not going to be happy about it. 
So again, that's why I think that open line of communication will be really important. And I think that, you know, this is where we talk about, I don't know, I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's kind of like a shared model of of power, right? So although there's this one individual who is the figurehead of the the power, power is disseminated through whether it's through facilitation groups, whether it's through asking their the people that they're working for, working with, um, how they can better improve. Like I think th- those will be really key features of making sure that the nurses who the CNO will be serving and will be helping to support or share share their voice and the voice of the people that they're informing and that they're reaching back. So it's, it's a loop. It's not like, it's not unidirectional if you, if you understand what I mean. And that, you know, um, take those criticisms with grace. Cause I think that that's also really hard. It's hard for me sometimes when, you know, maybe I say something and I'm like, Oh, and someone says to me, have you thought about it this way? And it's like, Oh, that person's attacking me. And it's like, Oh no, maybe they're just giving me feedback that that will help me change my viewpoint or help me think about things in a different way because i think that's going to happen like i think i think we'd be silly of us to say that you know this these these roles are going to come in and everyone's going to be happy about it no you can't please everybody but i think that if we have a shared communication model and that there's open communication and transparency i think uh, i heard this term and i love it radical transparency that um those are really winning qualities and you can't really go wrong with those types of things a, a part of the, that role as well. Oh, totally. You can never go wrong with too much transparency. I've never heard anyone complain about anyone being too honest and being too forthcoming. Usually it's the opposite. So I think that'll be really important just to close that loop, right? And I think the other thing is being really clear and intentional about what your goals are because you and I have been in situations where, you know, there's 10, 15 things dumped on our plate. And when we've asked, like, what is a priority? We were told everything is a priority, that literally makes no sense. It's like you got to pick a few things and work away at them. Otherwise, if you're trying to do 15 things at once and nothing will get done. And I'm sure there are that many things. There's probably 100 things that need to get done. But prioritizing what's most important is going to be really key for this role. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people saying you should do this, you should do that. So it's going to take a really strong leader with a clear vision to figure out how to use this role to its full capacity. And and the last thing I was kind of thinking, and I think this is probably what's on everybody's mind from a nursing world, and sorry, I shouldn't just say nursing, but nursing healthcare world, and the lens is, will this person be um, a voice for the nurses or a voice for policy and political design? Because that's always the fear, right? You know, you move someone away from that role where they're intricately working with nurses to a role where they're in government. And now do they become the government's lackey? I think that's what people will be concerned and looking forward to and uh, or not looking forward to looking out for. And can it be done? Can both be done? What do you think? I I think that it's that's my fear, too, is that it'll turn into something where this person becomes speaking for someone else, right, for their agenda and their goals. I mean, this role isn't supposed to be political, but it it is in a sense. Um, so it's really, first and foremost, it should be about making the change to provide better nursing care. And I just hope that vision doesn't get sidetracked by other hands in the pot, so to speak. What do you think? At the end of the day, these the word and the title, it's, it's in the name. It's like, I mean, I know that sounds very simple, but the role is chief nursing officer. 
So that really, to me, should symbolize that the most important aspect is making sure that you're looking out for nurses, right? I think that there might be, there might have to be a dance in terms of, you know, understanding the political arena, how to work within that realm and how to, how to, you know, make sure that you're seeing the full picture or at least making other nurses see the full picture. But again, I think the role should be dedicated to supporting nurses. And if the individual at any point feels that they can't support nurses or are not supporting nurses, I think that should be said too, right? I think I think that's the part of the radical transparency where folks get into these roles and sometimes you just lose sight of what the main goal is. I think that once those are established, once that once everybody has them and is aware of what they are, that we we hold these folks accountable. I think that's going to be the hardest part because, you know, you love, you care, you, su- you support, you respect these individuals. And I think we, we have the utmost admiration and support and respect. But again, I will hold people's feet to the fire and accountable for, for being in these roles to make sure that they are keeping nurses, patients, and families at the center of the decision-making and the decisions that are happening. Because we're seeing what happens in politics when you don't have patients and families and other healthcare people at the center. We could talk about what's happening in long-term care, how they're just deciding to, you know, oh, it's this is what's best for the patient. No, the patient knows what's best for the patient, but we've already moved towards a model where we're we're back into this whole um, patriarchal type of viewpoint or paternalistic viewpoint where we're saying this is what's best and we're going to tell you what's best. And I, I, I'm always cognizant and fearful that we're moving back to this medicalization model that happened back into the 70s and earlier and earlier on. And I hope that we're, we're going backwards in time. So we need someone who's going to move and propel nursing forward that's going to have their eyes out and their ears out for what nurses need. And I hope that in these two roles, that that will always be at the center of what decisions are going to be made, what policies are being put in place, what they're advocating for. I think that's just how it should be. We, we're out there, we're, we say what's on our mind, and I will cheer them on when they're doing great. And then I will say, hey, this doesn't seem right if that's the case too. Exactly. Advocating for nurses and advocating for patients, that's equally important. And I think that um, this is a really good opportunity. So I'm, my fingers are crossed. I'm hopefully optimistic that this will make a difference. We'll just have to see what happens, you know? Yep. All we could do is take it one day at a time. And uh, like you said, the first 90 days are the most important. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see what's happening in the first 90 days. I wish them all the best of luck. And uh, I can't wait to hear what's what's on the horizon. If anyone listening has any ideas, let us know. We can tweet it out and uh, see what they have to say. Yeah, I like that. You know, if you guys have any thoughts or or comments that you guys want to send to the CNOs, let us know and we'll post them and we'll tweet about them. So, um, and then, yeah, for you guys out in, you know, the UK or US that might be listening to us, maybe you guys tell us about how your experience has been with a CNO and tell us uh, if you found that the roles were useful. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everyone.